there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. Another episode, SI Boxing Podcast. Glad you could join me this week. Got a good show lined up for you. First up, we go inside the bubble out in Las Vegas. Bernardo Osuna, uh, ESPN broadcaster, he has been in that bubble for the better part of the last two weeks. Talks to me about some of the protocols that they have out there, what it's like in front of no fans in some of these fights, and what he hopes boxing looks like in the future. Plus his thoughts on the recently somewhat announced Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua showdown, which could take place as early as the summer of 2021. A little bit later on, Regis Progray, the former 140-pound champion. He has been in the news recently because the fight he had scheduled with Maurice Hooker has fallen apart. Regis walks me through how those negotiations crumbled, why he's not willing to go up to 145 or even 147 pounds right now, what he hopes is next for him, and a whole lot more. Stick around for that great interview with Regis Progray. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it, head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to my conversation with Bernardo Osuna. All right, joining me now on the podcast, live from the bubble in Las Vegas, ESPN broadcaster and reporter Bernardo Osuna. Bernardo, what's going on, my friend? How you doing, Chris? It's great to be in the bubble. I'm the boy in the bubble right now, but uh, there's no place I'd rather be. I'm just excited that boxing is back and excited to be talking about this sport we love so much with you, Chris. So let me ask you this, Bernardo, because you are the only member of the ESPN broadcast team that is on site in Las Vegas. When, I mean, when this was first up, brought to you, you know, what was your reaction? You know, I, I was kind of like a lot of the boxers that we've spoken to who said, look, I got to be ready when this happens. So 
I started to take the quarantine very seriously. Uh, you got to remember that our fights on March 14th and March 17th at Madison Square Garden were canceled uh, due to uh, COVID-19. I actually landed in New York uh, at about 10 o'clock. My phone was blowing up saying, don't come into the city. Stay by the, if you can catch a flight back now, catch it now. If not, catch the first flight back. Uh, so I knew it was serious. And, and my daughters had just been sent home from Stanford and USC to finish their semesters at home. So my family took it really serious. And so I, I knew that I had to stay ready. And, and when I spoke with Mike McQuaid, who's our VP and coordinating producer, he said, look, everybody else can do their job pretty much from home. You know, Tim and Andre can commentate. Joe Tess can do it from the studio. And, and Kriegel can write his great stories and essays and, and present from home. He's like, but even on a normal broadcast, you're our eyes and ears. You're roaming the corners. You're talking to, uh, you know, the commission. You're getting all the information. So how would you feel about being our one guy that we're allowed on site? And I said, I'd love it. You know, I think it's a great responsibility. I also think it's a great opportunity. And, and I mean, if you think about it, you know, 30 years down the line, I'd be like, oh, you know, we're making history. So it, it was actually a really, really cool uh, idea. And, and I really liked it. And fortunately, my wife and my daughter support me wholeheartedly. And, and here I am. So how long are you going to be in the bubble? So a, a lot of the ESPN crew is going to be in the bubble for the foreseeable future. It's uh, four weeks for now, uh, and it can you know extend through the month of July. Uh, myself, I you know my agreement was to come in and go home every week, but unfortunately, uh, Disney doesn't want us to leave the bubble. I will be going home um, actually next week after the Thursday show to move my daughter's stuff back from Stanford, and the hope is that. I can get back in the bubble, if not immediately, after a quarantine period, and be here for the long haul. Uh, you know, I've done it before. I've done it for Olympics, Pan Am Games, World Cups, uh, and, and you know, it's it's fine. You know, the bubble is the bubble, um, but it's a new reality we're all living in, and, and people have to make sacrifices. And, and it's not as bad as as it sounds, but you know, it's not ideal either. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it could be worse than a nice Las Vegas hotel room in, you know, catered meals whenever you kind of want. There, there are worse things in the world for sure uh, than that. So tell me, Bernardo, like, just walk me through what the rules are for you. Like, from the day that you get there to what you're kind of allowed to do throughout the course of a day. All right, so I, I got here last Sunday. Uh, the later you get in, the better because the... Tests take the COVID nineteen test takes about ten hours to get the result. So we timed it so I could come in. I got to my room. I checked in at around one o'clock. We had three o'clock fighter meetings, three to seven because we had uh, five fights. And then I just had to stay. I went to go get something to eat, and at about ten o'clock, I took my COVID nineteen test. Once I took the COVID nineteen test, I was not allowed to leave my room. Uh, then once I woke up. If you didn't get a phone call or a message by about seven, eight o'clock in the morning, then that meant you, you were negative. That meant you could go over to the uh, conference center and get your bracelet, which uh, allows you access to the other part of the bubble where the fighters work out, where we have our top ranking ESPN offices, where we have our food catered. Um, and so that's pretty much what you can do. Uh, initially, it was just getting over there via secured shuttle. Right now, they're letting us walk a single pathway from the hotel uh, to the conference center, but you can't make stops. You're, you're not allowed to do much else. You know, the roulette table's calling my name, but I, I can't. 
I celebrated my birthday here inside the bubble. So, you know, it's it's restrictive, but, you know, you're fine. They're taking care of us in, in everything we need. They put a Keurig in my room, you know, a little mini fridge. So my wife sent me over here with all kinds of snacks. And, and so you try to make the best of it. They, they just did a, a contactless delivery from uh, the grocery store uh, for, for all the crew. They, you know, we have laundry here. So they really take good care of us within the scope of what the bubble is. So are there, I mean, you're obviously not walking to that roulette table or the craps table. I mean, how do you, how do you entertain yourself in the, the off hours when you're kind of just hanging around? It's funny because these are the first off hours that I've had since I've got here. So this is the first weekend that, that we're going to have. So, you know, it's been all work and prep because we have five fights on the card. Uh, and, and so it's just been nonstop fighter meetings, production meetings. So we've been going since I got here. And, and this is the first really downtime. And so, you know, everybody can only be around a certain group of people just in, in terms of keeping that contact tracing. I can be around a lot more just because my job involves me going around all over the place. But most people have to stay within a bubble of maybe 15, 20 people that they can interact with once you're not in the workspace. Uh, so that's interesting. You know, uh, I'll probably, you know, watch some Netflix like everybody else does. I'll, I'll do some work leading up to the next two fight cards uh, and, uh, you know, read a book. And, and uh, I brought my a putter and a, and a little putt return machine. So, you know, I've got my own putting green here in the hotel room. You just have to make do, you know, you have to keep yourself entertained. Uh, and eventually they'll get us a little workout room to, to work out next week. And, and, you know, just try not to climb up the walls is basically what we're trying to do for this weekend. You got to get some kind of like underground poker game going with like Carl Moretti and Brad Jacobs and, <laughs> you know, a handful of those guys that are locked down. At least some gambling should go on in the bubble premises, man. You got to yeah, have something yeah, locked yeah. in there. Well, we're, actually, we're actually working on a little game between the group that, I, that I'm allowed to hang out with. So, we're, you know, we're, we're going to get that going. And, you know, everybody's got to wear a mask and it's going to be weird. But, hey, it beats being alone. I, I don't know how much visual interaction you have with the other people in Vegas, but it almost seems like from afar – that there are two Vegases going on right now. There's what you guys are doing on the inside, like super protective, making sure that you're doing everything possible not to pass coronavirus to somebody. And then you like, I go on Twitter and I'm seeing videos of packed casino floors and pools with everybody just basically saying, screw it. It's, it's just, it's surreal almost, Bernardo, to see two forms of Vegas coexisting at the same time. If you look at it, Chris, it's a reflection of the two Americas, right? There's the America that says, hey, I can't breathe with this mask on. And then there's the other America that says, hey, you know what? For example, me, I've got my mother who's got rheumatoid arthritis. And I've for the last three months, I haven't been able to hug her. I look at her when I go visit. She's on the balcony. I take her some groceries or whatever. My dad comes to get some. But, you know, you take I take it very seriously because I would hate to give the COVID-19 to my mother. And some people just don't care. I live in Orange County and, and, you know, we just saw the video of, uh, you know, them going to the city council and just, you know, putting on a show and now you, you can't, you're not supposed to wear, you're not forced to wear them. So it's the same thing here in Vegas. I, I sent a text to my daughters the other day as I was walking from uh, the uh, hotel room to the convention center and, and there's the pools right there. And they, I said, I, I feel like I'm a fish in an aquarium because I, I'm on this side looking out. Everybody's at the pool, you know, having a great time and I'm in the, you know, I'm looking from behind the glass and, and it is what it is. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's how you feel about it. And, and 
for all of us, we feel the responsibility, especially like the ESPN crew and the top rank crew that, you know, and really fortunate that nobody's tested positive for COVID-19. But we really feel that if we do this right, it's going to open up possibilities for the other networks in boxing to come back, for the other sports to see the template of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. And so it really is important for all of us to take this very seriously. And, and that's what we're doing. But it is two Vegas. It's, you know, this is a place where you come to have fun, gamble, eat. And, you know, the, the dinners are actually pretty good. But, you know, here we're, we're all about those seafood towers at the, at the restaurants and the steakhouses <laughs> that are here. And, and you can't necessarily partake in that. Oh, believe me, I've been in a few of those shows and the seafood <laughs> towers are very much a part of the top rank, uh, top rank experience. Um, so I tweeted this yeah. after the first show. I thought the, I thought the visuals look great. Like I thought top rank did a great job and ESPN did a great job of at least, you know, not making it look strange in a conference room. It really looked like a, a boxing event. What did it feel like in there with, you know, with no crowd in attendance and guys kind of going at it without the natural ambiance of, of a crowd? I actually enjoyed it. You know, I, I I like the fact that you can hear the corners. You you get a real feel. The punches are really, uh, you know, it, it's almost like we're conveying what you and I usually get to to hear when we are doing our reporting job on site or when we're sitting ringside, where where you really get a different feel than what people see on TV. And I think with this, I think people are getting a, a more inside look at what boxing is like. You know, when when you know. Buddy McGirt, who projects a lot, and, and he was basically basically like a fifth voice in the broadcast crew with Tess and Andre and Tim and, and uh, um, Kriegel and I. And so it, it was very interesting, um, and, and I think it changes the dynamic of the corners too because sometimes they don't want to yell as much, and, and you, know, they, you don't have that intimacy. Even like when the commission was dealing with the disqualification, everything's over the microphone. There's no kind of hidden – conversations anymore because everything's there you know raw for everybody to see and you're right about the visuals i think you know the team has done a great job the, the giant video walls and and you know we've got our our director aladdin freeman who's here and, and mike mascaro on site and and fernando who does a lot of the interviews with us and so we got a really small core of people that do it right and then in bristol we've got you know two teams we've got jim zaroli leading the uh team that does the itself and then we've got mark schumann who usually does max unboxing and our studio shows on the road doing uh the studio portion so it's really a huge operation and it's really we're trying to make it as seamless as possible obviously being in separate places makes it tough but i think overall it's it's been a really good experience you talk to all the fighters obviously after each event and and just in the days that follow like what's been their reaction to to participating in something like this after they've gone through it I mean how have they felt it it played out you know I think the the fighters on the first card you know were very excited to be the first ones back you know Shakur Stevenson being uh, the headliner was just very excited and, and willing to put on a show because he knew that a lot of people would be watching Robesi Ramirez the same way he's like who would have thought you know his kid, a two-time Olympian from Cuba who defected, would be the first fight back uh, on the, uh, uh, for boxing in the United States. So they really took it seriously. And, and some of the other kids, like, for example, yesterday, you know, uh, Mondragon, a guy like Gabriel Murataya, a preschool teacher who would never have been on TV at 2-0 and and 6-0, and you know, they're on TV now and, and having people watch them. So it's really, I think Andre Ward said it best, this is going to be a time for 
certain fighters who are off the radar to really get their opportunity. And, and maybe they don't have to wait till they're 12, 15 fights, 20 fights in to be on TV. So, you know, I think it's going to breed for great fights. It's going to make for some upsets. And, and so I think, uh, you know, these guys really have an opportunity that wouldn't have been there. And, you know, speaking with those guys, when they say, hey, man, I knew I was going to get a chance. I knew that, you know, they need opponents. So maybe, you know, I'm not the A-lister. I'm the B guy, B-side guy. But I can go and make a name for myself on these shows. And, and we'll have them every week, twice a week, which is a lot of fights coming up in the, in the upcoming weeks. So, you know, we're going to see a lot of guys looking at this as their chance. So I'll ask you this too, and I'll ask you in part for my own purposes, since I'll be doing it at some point anyway. You, you doing the post-fight interviews, you did them at a social distance, uh, six-ish feet, whatever it was, between you and the fighters on the stage. That contrasted, Bernardo, with what I saw UFC do right off the bat, where Joe Rogan just kind of hopped in the ring and you know was doing his usual thing right next to each other. I mean, how did you feel about being socially distant? Would you prefer to to be doing the interview right next to them? Would you have concerns doing it that way? I mean, what was your overall sense of that? Uh, look, we're in the bubble. We've already been tested. I, I'd have no problem going, uh, you know, uh, being close to, to a fighter and doing the interview. As a matter of fact, after the fight, um, Shakur Stevenson was going to go to the hospital. I did an interview with him backstage, and I was closer to him, and I was wearing my mask when I did it. And uh, to me, that was fine, as long as somebody's wearing a mask it's fine um but it's it's a decision that's made above my pay grade you know i think the most important thing right now is get it right um make sure that nobody uh gets sick nobody gets infected and and once things start to roll i think it's a work in progress you know the goalpost moves every day and and so we're hoping to get it closer to the normal but whatever we need to do right now to make it happen i think is what we're doing it's not uncomfortable. Would I like to be closer to the guy and, and have that intimacy? Great, yeah. But, you know, I posted a, an Instagram post yesterday about, you know, what I missed. You know, and it was, it's a picture of, of uh, Shakur Stevenson and I laughing and, 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 you know, me and my crew taking a selfie and, and with our mask on except for me. Um, and, and so you look at it and you say, that's what you miss. That's what you and I know boxing as, that camaraderie that you have with the crew that, that works with you, that spends countless hours uh, making this happen and, and all the time they put into what we see on the air. And then the fighters. I mean, that's what I miss the most, talking to these guys, getting to know, being able to tell their stories. Uh, and, and so that's what boxing is about. And, and that's what, what the beauty is of being here and being able to, to hopefully transmit that to the fans through the broadcast. So how often are you personally tested? You said you were tested before you got in there. Are there subsequent tests for you? Oh, yeah. So we got tested Sunday night, which was uh, you know to be able to work Monday, which was a weigh-in, and then Tuesday fight. And then on Wednesday, we get tested again so that we can work the Thursday fight. So now uh, the weekend's here. We have to still stay within the bubble. We'll be tested again Sunday and again on Wednesday. So it's a two times a week testing and, and – uh, I was telling people, hey, the best birthday gift I got was that negative COVID-19 test, you know, that, that allows me to, to continue. And it was funny because the, when I got the first test, I, I texted my wife and, and my girls and, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so happy for myself that I tested negative, uh, but I'm happy and proud of you guys because all the sacrifices they made over the last three months to not see their friends and not go out and, and be really vigilant. I said it paid off, you know, and, and because we all look at it like, We've had fighters uh, test prior to coming to Vegas, and, and 
one of them tested negative and now his fight is off and and you're like imagine that, that had been me like all this effort to, to get me here to make sure that i'm here and all of a sudden i test positive and, and it's got nothing to do with the bubble it had to do with what i did outside the bubble so now that i'm in the bubble i'm, I'm very vigilant about making sure that that i stay you know healthy and safe and and the bubble concept the protocols are working as established so um, you know, it's all about doing it right. So if they, uh, the test that you're getting, are, are we talking like that full up the nose, touch your brain swab, or is it something a little bit different now? Thank God it's not that lobotomy test that they do with uh, <laughs> a 14 inch swab or whatever it is. No, it's actually a, a throat swab and, and it's, it's not terrible. It's not pleasant. You know, you get a little bit of a tickle in your throat and, and you start to feel a little sore throat, you know, in the neck in the hours after you've done test but but it's nothing major and and uh once you go through it once you understand what it is i just close my eyes open my mouth and say ah and let them do what they do they get in there you're they're out and then uh you know you get the the no traces of covid on on your uh test and and you feel like a champion so you know just got to keep doing that yeah between basketball and boxing in the coming months i'm really not looking forward to the number of tests that are probably going to come my way it's also going to be interesting i think i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but you know when michaela Mayer tested positive uh she insisted she didn't have it it was a false it was a false positive and she's subsequently come out on social media and said like my doctor told me i don't have it i never had it. i wonder if like if that means they will transition more to those horrifying swabs up the nose because it seems like based on what i read anyway that those are the most uh you know effective ways of telling if it's a positive or not yeah i mean it, like i said it's it's a work in progress but i think it'd be harder to get people to actually agree to those you know i think uh, it was it was a relief when they said hey it's going to be the throat swab i was like all right i i can do that I, i'm like i'm not all about you know getting that that uh, thing up my nose for you know for brain testing so i i understand it if it and if i had to do it i would do it um but it's really a, a work in progress it's it just at that point with michaela she was the first one to to test for traces of covid 19 and and it just had you know it was the first time all of us were in this closed system and so it had to happen you know they, they did the right thing in terms of hey let's get you out of the bubble let's get you make sure you're nice and healthy now she's had her own test and she can come back and and, and go in front of the commission and say, hey, look, the doctor says I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm asymptomatic. I'm, I'm not a, a threat to pass it on to anybody else. I'm not contagious. So I can participate with no danger. And, and I think we're in a better place now, but it was just the first show. And, and imagine, God forbid, something happens and we have an outbreak or something like that. Then it not only affects that show, it affects, you know, the shows down the line. So that's why even for the crew, it's so important. I mean, we lose one cameraman then or two or three and then it becomes something and and, and all of a sudden we can't do a show so it, and same thing with the fighters you know the, the, they're making very specific training times for each of them to train and not to come across one another and and that worked but in the case of Michaela you know Kay Karoma her assistant trainer was also the assistant trainer for Shakur Stevenson for Jared Baby Anderson moving down the line you know Jamel Herring so it's one of those things where he was a team member that had, you know, different contact with different guys. And, and he did the right thing by stepping back and saying, hey, guys, I'm going to pull myself out of the card so that everybody else can work and, and do things the way they're supposed to, to happen. So I think, you know, she had to kind of take one for the team, as did Kay. And, and it was a right thing at the time. You know, as we move forward, maybe it won't be the right thing 
at that particular time because we'll have more knowledge. We'll, we'll know where we're at and, and we'll make the adjustments accordingly. Yeah, I get asked all the time, like with the curve flattening nationwide or at least, you know, hospitalizations being weighed down or, you know, are sports being too careful? Of course not. I mean, like sports are a billion dollar business. You, you lose a cameraman at ESPN, your entire broadcast is affected. It's not like you can just swap somebody in and out, you know, overnight. So yeah, you've got to be uh, overly cautious. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I don't know what this announcement means, but Fury, Joshua, 2021, the financial structure of a deal's in place. Tyson Fury, of course, has an incredibly dangerous fight up ahead still with Deontay Wilder. Uh, AJ may have as many as two fights. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Usyk and Pulev in the coming years. But I guess your reaction to uh, potentially a heavyweight unification fight sometime in 2021. means we may be working together, Chris. But so uh, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. So, but, but apart from that, I, I think it's great that there's actual negotiations going on. You know, we're, we're living in an era where everybody's on social media talking smack and, and quote unquote making fights that never, ever happened. So the fact that these guys who are the two most powerful men in boxing right now, because, you know, Deontay Wilder, you, you know, you he's arguably the best heavyweight. After the win, I mean, uh, Tyson Fury after the win against Deontay Wilder is arguably the best heavyweight. Then you've got Anthony Joshua, who has three of the four belts. And the fact that they want to have an undisputed champion, I think that's what boxing needs. I think the boxers have the power to say, hey, I want it. Now, if one of the organizing committees says, hey, I'm not going to sanction that fight if you don't fight your mandatory, and we don't get the, the unified and then eventually the undisputed champion because of political reasons, then that really sucks for the sport. You know, I think this is one of the moments where the WBO, WBC, IBF, W and, uh, you know, whatever I forgot, there's so many of them. WBA right there. Yeah. WBA. They all need to get together and say, look, guys, we have a chance to make history. We have a chance to get all eyeballs of the world on the heavyweight division, which hasn't been hot in years. It, you know, there's rare, there's rare moments in the sport where everything is set up for it to once again take over. And this is one of them. And the only people that can really screw it up are the uh, sanctioning bodies. If they start to strip, you know, whether it be uh, the WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, they have a chance to do the right thing for once. They get so much crap for the things they do wrong. Let's do this right. Let's let these guys fight. Let them take one mandatory, whatever they have to do. That's fine. Now, the other thing is the fighters. We've seen what happens with, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua. He got sparked by uh, Ruiz, and then he came back and beat Andy Ruiz in the rematch. So whether it's Pulev or Usyk, you know, there's nothing guaranteed there. But that's real. That's, that's the heavyweight division. Anybody can get knocked out at any time. Same thing with uh, Tyson Fury. He's got a dangerous rematch or a trilogy with uh, Deontay Wilder coming. And, hey, anything can happen there as well. But once again, that would be fights being determined by what happens inside the ring. I have a problem with us not getting an undisputed champion in a hundred, you know, 2021, because one of the organizing committees said, I, my mandatory is more important than making history in boxing. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a pretty, I don't want to call it easy, but there's a fix here. I mean, if this fight generates the type of revenue, it probably will with like a 60 million live gate or you know, broadcasters, broadcast revenue across the world, wherever it's coming from. You could put Dillian White and you could put Alexander Usyk as the co-main on that card. Right. You can pay them just a boatload of money 
and have the winner of that be positioned to face the winner of the second fight between Fury and Joshua, however they want to play that one out. Make a bunch of money, increase your profile. I mean, who cares if it's like, I mean, Alexander Usyk versus, I don't even know who it would be for like the, the vacant WBO title. Like, go fight that fight in like Kazakhstan or somewhere and make no money, as opposed to a massive stage where you're fighting on the Fury Joshua. I'll give you, tell you this, and you've been around Fury more than I have, but I just love how he, he needs these big fights. Like, he doesn't seem like he gets up for the average fights. Like, whether it's Tom Schwartz or, you know, his last fight against Otto Valence. Like, all right, I'm here. I got to do it. I'm going to go through the motions. It's the big fights he seems to get up for. And that's why he kind of, I think anyway, seeks them out and gets deals like this done quickly. We waited. I mean, I was covering the negotiation between, you know, Wilder and Joshua for like two years. It was mind-numbing. This stuff between Fury and AJ, it's a matter of months. And at the very least, they've got the financials figured out. I give Tyson Fury a lot of credit for that. Yeah, because... We're used to an era where everybody's protecting their, oh, everybody's looking for those, oh, is that an easy title defense? Yeah, I'm going to take that. Give me the number 15th guy instead of, you know, giving me the next guy up. Or in this case, give me the champion because I want to make history. I want to go down and, and be a transcendent figure in the sport. And I think that's what the beauty of, of that February 22nd fight was. The fact that we all left that night with this feeling of hope. For the sport, this feeling that this could be a turning point for boxing, Fox and ESPN get together, you know, PBC and, and top rank get together. And there was no enemies. Everybody was on the same page for the betterment of the sport. And what we could see moving forward was that we could see whatever happens in that third fight, then the winner going against Joshua. And then whether it's top rank ESPN or PBC and Fox working together with the zone and matchroom and making it happen. And it was just that happened, then COVID hits, and it kind of throws everything, the financials for everybody in the world off, and, and it was just such a moment of, of uh, you know, looking forward and saying this could be somewhere where boxing kind of gets back into the mainstream, and, and we've got to get back to that, and people got to get out of the way of success, you know, boxing does that so much, whether it be the judging, whether it be the sanctioning bodies, get out of the way, let the fighters fight. Let these guys who care about making these fights that will generate millions and millions of dollars and, and really go down in history. We always complain. We don't have the Ali Frazier. We don't have the Hagler Hearns and Leonard Durant. Well, yeah, you know why? Because everybody gets in the way of it. These guys want to do it. They should be setting the tone for all the other guys at 147, which has a ton of talent, 160, which has talent, 75, you know, 68. Like, if Fury, Wilder, and Joshua could do it, then there's no excuse for the little guys not to do it. Yeah, you can have a big moment in the heavyweight division, that's for sure. Uh, Bernardo, stay healthy out there, man. And if if somebody can deliver you, I love that pizzeria in the MGM food court. If somebody can deliver you like the some buffalo chicken pizza, that's the money shot right there. Buffalo chicken pizza down there is 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 key, man. So stay All well, right, man. man. You just and made I, my I mouth hope water. to talk to you again soon. <laughs> Take care, Chris. <laughs> hope to talk soon. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, joining me now on the show, he is the former 140-pound champion. He's had... Uh, maybe a rough week or so has been trying to figure out a fight that was supposed to happen and now maybe is not happening is Regis Prograde joining me from down in Houston. How are you, Regis? I'm good, man. Everything is, you know, everything is cool. Trying to still stay away from the Corona people. But besides that, everything is good. Good. Good to hear it. So like before we get into anything else, your fight with Maurice Hooker, the fight that was originally supposed to happen in April, it was kind of penciled in for at some point this summer and fell apart over the last week. In your mind, is that fight completely dead? In my mind, I think so. Um, hopefully it's not, but I mean, in my mind, I think I think it is dead. So where, from your perspective, did this go south? Was it when, you know, you know, Bomack told me that it was 147 or nothing? I mean, how did this fall apart in your mind? Yeah, I mean, listen, it wasn't like it, it wasn't like the the initial fight was scheduled at 145 and then I tried to bring him down to 143. No, I mean, the fight was first off initially we wanted the fight to be at 140 because my goal is to be a champion and get at 140. So we want to be the fight to be at 140 uh, for some type of some maybe the eliminator or something like that. And you know, they said um, he couldn't make it. He has. It takes him three months or something like that to get down to 140. So they moved it to 143. You know, my side said, okay, that's fine. No problem with that. We'll do 143. Um, of course, the, the coronavirus hit for the April 17th. That, you know, that went off. Um, you know, they had to be rescheduled. So he had time. You know, he had time to make 140. And now he's saying 147. So, um, you know, it's – for me, it's, it's not my fault that, you know, he can't make the weight. So take me inside the discussions over the last week. I mean, how high were you willing to go? I mean, what concessions were you willing to make for this fight to happen? I said 144. Um, and the only, the only, and I don't even want to go that high, to be honest. Um, the only thing, 
I don't. I feel like I could beat Maurice Hooker at any weight. I feel like right now I can. I feel like I could beat him. You know, if no matter what weight he is right now, and compared to my weight, I feel like I can still beat him. You know, style wise, I'm not worried about that. My my thing is, I want to be a champion again at 140. So I don't want to. I want my body to still be adjusted to going to making my weight at 140. It's not about. It's not about the people think it's about the weight. No, it's not about the weight. It's you know, like the wait for the fight. No, that's that's definitely not the case. It's about my next fight, my future. I want to be a champion again at 140. So, if if my body is not used to making 140, if I if I fight at 145 or one, even 144 or 145 in my next fight, the fight after that is gonna be it's, it's probably gonna be hard for me to make the weight. I'm probably you know I don't want to struggle. I don't want to be. He's in that position. He's in that position to where he has to go to 147. His last fight, it was at um, 143, and he came in at 144 and a quarter, you know, so he can't make the weight no more. It's not my fault that he can't make the weight, you know, so, um, that I mean, that's kind of my stand on it. Yeah, I, I totally get that stance. Let me give you, like, the devil's advocate argument here that some people might look at this and say, well, if Regis would go to 144, why not one more pound? Why not 145? Why was the one pound there so important to you? It's not even that one pound. I don't even want to go to 144. You know, I'd rather keep it at 143. Really, I want to be at 140. You know, so it's it's not about it's not about even that one pound. So if it's the one pound, let him come down to 144. You know, if it's if it's that's the case, the one pound, let him come down to 144. But he doesn't even. I don't even think he wants to come to 145. I think he wants to stay at one. He wants to be at 147. I actually talked to him on the phone. And he said he's going to be at 147. I DM'd him, um, and we talked a little bit on, you know, we had like some, you know, some hostile messages on Instagram. But uh, he was like, I was like, bro, come make the way. He was, he told me he was like, man, you talk too much, and you all this. I was like, make the way. You go see who talk too much. And um, he was like, look, I'm at 147. Do what you're doing, but I'm at 147. So I don't even think he wants to come down to 145. Um. But no, it's like I said. My my goal is to be a champion again at 140. So um, and I don't. I'm looking for. I'm looking. I'm looking at my future. I'm not looking just at this fight right now. I'm looking at my future. Of course, I can fight him at 147. I can fight him at 157, 160 if I want to right now. But I don't want to be stuck in the same position he's stuck in and can't come back down and can't make the weight. That's the whole thing about me. I don't want my body to get adjusted to that you know, to being heavier and can't come back down. So what was, what were some of those conversations like, whether it was phone, Instagram? I mean, were they just, you know, a back and forth where you're saying make the weight and him saying no? Basically. Yeah, that was it actually. So, um, it's crazy thing. Like my, one of my brothers in New Orleans, he FaceTimed him. He FaceTimed Marie Zucker <laughs> and I was on the other FaceTime. He was on two different phones and I was on the other FaceTime. So he going back and forth with Marie Zucker. And he's saying he can't make the weight. He's just, man, look, I can't make the weight. He was like, I need to talk to my my cousin or something like that, and I can't make the weight. And he was like, look, bro, like, I, my, my my brother, he was like, man, I don't like you. You don't like Regis. Regis don't like you. You need to make the weight. Why you just can't make the weight? And he was just like, man, look, I can't make the weight. That's the main thing. He was like, I, I can't make the weight. So, you know, I had I went, on, I went on a little – I was pissed off about it, of course, when I first heard about it. So I went on a little rant on my YouTube channel and – you know, they, they, he saw that and, um, you know, so he DM me, he was like, man, you all talk and all this. And I was like, bro, make the weight and you go see who all talk. 
and you know I, he was just like he can't he was like do, he, and then the last message he said do you i'm at 147 and so i just left it at that so he's saying that's what he's saying he's gonna stay he's gonna stay at 147 and okay so if, if he's gonna do that clearly that's what he wants to do he wants to be um, at 147, and I'm not. I'm not going to 147 first. My, pro, I will, and I will go to 147 eventually. That's exactly where I want to be at 147. But I still want to be a champion again at 140 before I move up to 147. And that's just a personal goal for me to be a two-time champion. What has to be frustrating for you, Regis? I, I would imagine you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean this. This was almost predictable. Like you. Like it, it took me calling his trainer for this to suddenly get out there. Like, but all along it felt like whether it was Brian McIntyre or Hooker that they didn't want to to make this wait. I mean, did you get that sense over the last few weeks that this wait thing was going to become an issue? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I, I felt like that. Yeah, they they don't they I don't think he wants to fight, period. You know, I don't know if it's the weight or what. Maybe it is the weight. Maybe not. I don't think he wants to fight. So if he wants to go to one fight, like I said, if he wants to go to one fight seven, let him do that. But I don't. Yeah, I felt like it was. You know, it was gonna be an issue. So you know, you said you wanted to make 140 pounds so you can win a title again. There. I mean, looking at the landscape, are you willing to wait as long as it might take to get that opportunity? If it really is going to be Ramirez, Josh Taylor, at some point spinning it forward that might not happen till mid 2021 i mean what's your your timetables like on how long you'll stay at 140 yeah you're right you're right about that um i i mean i don't know i mean for me i can still make the weight comfortably you know um it's still of course it's still a little struggle but it's just something that i want to do i want to be a champion again one at 140 i want to be a two-time champion before i move up to 147 so um as far as when it's going to take place I, I don't know. I can't I can't say, you know, when it's gonna take place or not like that. But boxing is a boxing is a very, very funny sport to where one time you might think that, you know, it might not open up and then a door opens up, you know. So for me right now, that's just kinda I'm I'm gonna stay I'm just gonna keep my going, you know, and and wanna be a champion again at one forty. So what kind of fights can you get in between? I mean, there was the report about Chris Algieri. I had heard he asked for a lot of money uh to fight you um, what's out there for you at this point if Hooker's off the table? I mean, that's that's kind of what my manager is, you know, working on. You know, I think they, whoever, you know, I, it really doesn't matter for me whoever the next fight is, you know, as long as it's for some type of, like, eliminator. You know, that's my main thing. Of course, the money, all it, the person never really mattered to me, but, of course, the money, you know, that's always um, a factor. And then, of course, um if it's for some type of belt, some type of eliminator or something like that, to where it'll guarantee me to be in line for a shot, you know? So you're talking maybe 2021, but maybe it'd be even, it, it might be even closer than that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, that's, like I said, that's, that's my manager's job. Is there, is there a junior welterweight fight out there right now that really interests you? If you remove Taylor and Ramirez, cause they're going to kind of circle each other till they get in the ring. Is there a fight now that, that sort of piques your interest? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> it's not. Nah, I don't think. I don't think it's a. I. I mean, you're talking about like besides Ramirez and Taylor and me. The only one was like you know Hooker. You know he was because he's the ex champion. You know basically. You know he's a former champion, but nobody else is. Um, I don't think nobody else even has a name. 
that big to even interest me, you know. So uh, I, I don't know. It's it's not really a name. So that's what I'm saying. For me, it doesn't matter as long as it's for some type of title. And, of course, if the money's the, the right. So why not? I mean, look, it's your your body. Clearly, you know what you can do and you know what you're more comfortable with. So with that, all that being said, why not move up to 147 where there's there's a lot of money and there's certainly a lot of fights. I mean, I was at one of your fights where you and Terrence Crawford and his family members went back and forth uh, over some stuff. There's a natural kind of rivalry there. You know what's happening on the PBC side of the street. You know, why not make the jump now with the landscape looking what it looks like? Just a personal goal. I won't be. I won't be a champion. I won't be a two-time champion at 140. Is it something that I want to do? You know. Um, even you said like even at 147, my 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 goal is to be a champion. You know. So of course at 147, how soon can I get a title shot at 147? You know. Right now I'm coming off of a. I'm a former champion at 140. So it, it won't be a shot like right now at 147 for probably. A while, you know, but if I am a champion again at 140, um, as soon as I move up to 147, I might get a title shot. Or the next, it might not be the the, the first fight at 147, but it'll be the next fight at 147. So yeah, I mean that's like I said, that's the thing. I just it's it's just a personal goal. I want to be a champion again, and then once once you're a champion, you you demand more. You know, if I'm if I just go up to 147 right now, I'll just you know I'll be just in a mix just with everybody else. I won't be you know, considered a top player. I want to be considered a top player. And to be considered a top, a top player, you have to have some type of, you know, you have to have some type of belt, some type of clout coming with you. So that's why I want to be a champion again at 140. Does it matter to you, Regis, how you get the belt? I mean, I, I would imagine, I've talked to Jose Ramirez about this. Like, it, once he gets that Taylor fight, win or lose, he's gone up to 147. I don't know what Taylor's situation is specifically, but I mean, even if it's a vacant belt, does that matter? Do you just want that title? I want the belt. Yeah, I want the belt. You know, that's that's the main thing. You know, I want to be a champion again at 140. Of course, it'll be good to win it from a champion. That's definitely, you know, the, the best thing to do, to win it from somebody. But if it's vacant, then hey, let it be vacant. You know, as long as it's a good fight. Before I let you go, Top Rank's been doing these behind-closed-doors shows, um... You know, there's been a few things to unpack part of them, but have you watched any of them? And if so, what have you thought of kind of the whole scene that they've had with these, you know, kind of no crowd shows? You know what? If you, it's all about being a, uh, just all about being adjustable. And, you know, we just got to adjust to it. You know, if, if it's no crowd then it's no crowd, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. So, um, of course, the fans make a big, big difference as far as like adrenaline wise. It makes a it makes a huge, huge difference. You know, my last fight was over twenty thousand people in the O two. You know, so you're talking about over twenty thousand people to being no people at all. That's gonna be it's gonna be a big difference. It'll be almost like sparring. You know, it'll be like a you know a, just like a gym fight basically. So, but um, it's just all about doing what you gotta do. It's not. You know, we can't, I don't think we can do nothing about it right now because of, you know, because of the um, the coronavirus. So, you know, it's just all about, it is what it is and we got to do what we got to do. How careful, Regis, are you trying to be with with protecting yourself from that coronavirus? Because we've seen now with the Les Pierre show and Pedraza getting called off, we've seen now three fights in two weeks, really, the top ranks had to scrap because of either a fighter or a member of a fighter's team testing positive for this. I mean, when you see stuff like that, what do you think? 
I'm I'm scared, man. At first, I'm not gonna lie. I was when I was in LA. I just I wasn't kind of worried about it. I was thinking it was a government thing, and I still thought it was real, of course. But I was just like, man, I'm not worried about this. But if now it's messing with people's like career, you know. So as far as us, we can't fight if we have it, you know. I actually I was in New Orleans like two days ago, and um, like it, it my like my sister, she had like a party. And like I wanted to go so bad, but I didn't go. I was just and I was like, they they begged me to come. Like, come on, you'll be all right. I was like, man, I'm just I'm really scared. I don't want to get coronavirus. You know, Michaela Michaela um Mayor, she was training in our gym, and she was supposed to fight, and she didn't even have it, but she had the antibody in her system, and they called off her fight. You know, and so when that happens, when you know somebody, it's always a big difference. You know, she was training like I was I was scared because I was with her in the same. We was all in the same gym. She was training and stuff like that. So I was just, you know, I was like fucking, I was spooking because of that. You know, I was real scared. Um, So it's, yeah, man, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to stay away from people. And like I said, I was just in New Orleans and stuff for, for that, for like, I, I went to go to my sister's birthday party and I didn't even go. I went there basically. I didn't even go because I waited till like everybody left and cleared out because I don't want to catch it. You know, when you're talking about it's going to mess with our career and, you know, I don't want to be nowhere close to that stuff. Yeah, you're smart for being careful because you're right. You can set people back months, if not years, just by you know catching it and not being able to participate uh, in a show. Uh, Regis, I'm sorry to hear about the hooker fight, man. That sucks because that, I thought that would have been one of the best fights of the return to boxing. But I hope to see you back again real soon in a big fight, man. You're always always entertaining out there when you get in the ring. All right, thanks, man. Y'all have a good one, man. Y'all be safe, awesome. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.